You're listening to the Left Behind Game Club. Behind Game Club, our never-ending attempt to make sure that no game is left behind. I'm your host, Jacob McCourt, and today I have two friends with me. The first friend, you know him, mm, you love him, mm, it's Joseph Hooper. What the heck? Why were there so many ums in there? What's up, everybody? <laughs> Happy to be here. I mean, after meeting you for the first time in real life, there's just a little bit of hesitation, you know? Oh, no. That's I made a mistake. <laughs> I'm just mad that your cord was broken and you almost couldn't record. Well... It's all good. That's why I have like 50 cords in a box for this very day. Sounds like a podcaster no, honestly, to me. Yeah. Yep. I'm very happy that you're here to talk about your PAX West experience. Uh, also here with us, uh, DJ Storm again. Matt, welcome back to the show. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Uh, this is not a normal episode of the Left Behind Game Club. Uh, this week, the three of us uh, just got back from PAX West, literally just got back. And we're going to tell you some of the favorite things that we saw. We each have three games that we're going to talk about. And there is some overlap. So some of us have played, you know, each other's games. So we're just going to jump in and and talk about it real free flow. Uh, And by the end of this, you're going to get at least nine games that maybe you can either play almost immediately or wish list for later. Uh, Who wants to start and talk about one of their favorite games that they were able to experience at PAX West? Maybe Joseph, after I insulted you, it'd be (laughs) best for you to jump in first. Honestly... I couldn't agree more. Okay, let's start with, you know, they say save the best for last, but I'm going to save the the best for first, all right? We're going to talk about WrestleQuest. Um, yeah. Hands down my favorite game that I played this weekend or this past weekend. And there was just a lot of magic with this game. A lot of charm where after I started the demo, I think, you know, maybe 15 seconds in, I was like, oh, I'm in for a treat. Because the art style alone was just perfect for me there was that 8-bit style that kind of cartoonish pokemon you know low res style but also there was a lot of cool shading a lot of cool colors and i was like all right let's get let's get into this so during my entire demo uh i had a developer from the uh cap i'm trying to think of the the developer name mega cat studios thank you so much mega cat studios i had a developer from mega cat studios talking me through the game and just the level of detail and the level of care that they put into this game uh, kind of blew me away. Uh, it was something that I was thinking, but it was also something that the developer said, which is they may never get to make a game like this ever again, because this is legitimately a dream game uh, for people that love wrestling, for people that love JRPGs, uh, for people that love comedic moments and comedic tone. This game actually nailed every single aspect of that. Um, they said that they talked to wrestlers to get stories that are, you know, both visible stories that the fans see and the fans can experience uh, if they're wrestling fans and have watched the WWE or WWF through the years. And they also learned backstage stories. So, like, they're touching on things like being on the road and missing your family or your body breaking down and, and you need to use steroids or in this case in the game, super glue because all the characters are toys uh, to kind of stay together. And, and you know, um, all these little traumas and, and, and tough things and, and tough topics to deal with, they're going to be in the game, but also they're going to have a family friendly, uh, approachable way of tackling a lot of these uh, topics. So I think 
just from start to finish, every moment, every beat in the demo kind of shed light on some other aspect of the game where I was like, oh, okay. So they get it. They get this. So from the wrestling aspect, you had homage to, you know, Macho Man, Randy Savage. You had jokes. Oh, yeah, brother. We rise to the top. We're the cream of the crop. I just had to do my impression, brother. Exactly. Exactly. Macho Man impression, right? Like that's I feel like that's the Christopher Walken of wrestling is is Macho Man. (laughs) At least once in their lives. Everybody has had to do one. Uh, But even the gameplay, you have the gimmicks. You have your pro signature moves. You have the pin as a part of the the gameplay mechanics. You have your job. So, like one objective was like, hey, uh, when you pin this person, make sure they they knock out. You know, for for the spectacle of it all. And that's that's stuff that I just love to see developers paying attention to. Not to mention that the game is forty hours. There's at least on the main quest side. There's going to be side content, and all through that, you know, I was playing the demo, which was pretty lengthy, maybe forty minutes, and there was tons of jokes, uh, tons of. Uh, quirky gags like I think I mentioned to Jacob offline that uh, there was a table blocking a door and I had to pick up some coins to basically spawn a toy to pile drive through the table to progress (laughs) so just creative hilarious things like that Uh, you have you're wrestling with triceratopses and and other things that kind of mimic that little kid experience where you have like random toys that you got from Toys R Us over the past months and you're just fighting with all of them like it's just, I mean, like like I said, you can just see how much care they put into this game. So uh, for that, I got to say, this was absolutely one of my favorites. I got to say, I wasn't super high on it going in. Uh, I love wrestling, but I've been away from wrestling for quite some time. So I didn't know how much I would resonate with this. But I'm a believer now. I'm 100% a believer. I got it wishlisted on Steam and I'll be there day one. So that's that, I love that. That's awesome to hear, actually, because I also am like an old school wrestling fan. Like uh, my, the Undertaker was my guy. Like oh, yeah. back in the day, like he was scary. It didn't matter. Even on the motorcycle, even with the American Badass theme, he was still <laughs> terrifying. He picked you up for that power bomb. You held your breath. But like, so I haven't watched the recent stuff. Though I'm a fan of some recent wrestlers like John Cena and stuff. And so, like, to hear that you're an old school wrestling fan but still enjoyed the game makes me really excited because that's where I'd be coming from it at. And like, also the screenshots and the videos looked really promising. I'm a new school wrestling fan where it was actually Stephen Amell and Cody Rhodes that got me into wrestling. Nice. It's a, I, I picked a weird on ramp, but here I am <laughs> and like watch wrestling probably every other week or so and follow what's going on in the two major companies. Uh, so I'm super excited. You said, hey, JRPG, but it features Jake the Snake Roberts, Macho Man, Andre the Giant, and like looks really cool and all the wrestlers yeah. are toys because as we know, like wrestling toys have a huge like cult following behind them. Uh, I'm, I'm super excited. And, uh, you know, when you said this is your game of show, it's one of the only games I didn't get to play. I, you know, played something like, I don't know, 25 games while I was on the floor and I just did not play this one and I'm very sad about it. So uh, that's uh, WrestleQuest uh, coming from Mega Cat Studios and Skybound Games. TBD on release date for that one. Awesome. Uh, Matt. Do you want to jump in with with your first title that you want to recommend and talk about? Sure. Um, I I love all of these titles for different reasons, but we'll go with my we'll we'll save the best for first. I'll follow in 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 the all right. Of, you know, I just I feel like we're starting a trend here, Joseph. So I gotta I gotta keep up with you. So um, uh, if anyone knows me or knows Fun and Games, the podcast that I talk the most about video games on, you might have heard of a little game called Shovel Knight that Jeff and I never shut up about. <laughs> well. At uh, PAX 
uh, I want to say PAX East, but no, it's PAX West. PAX East was so long ago. Uh, PAX West, I have the absolute pleasure of chatting with Celia B., the marketing manager for Yacht Club Games. Uh, that interview will be on the Fun and Games uh, PAX West wrap-up that'll come out several weeks from now. The timing is still a little bit a question mark. But uh, that interview led me to get to play two games that I'm really excited for. Honorable mention, you know, The Hollower, which I got to play the demo for, but is not what I'm here to talk about today. I want to talk about Shovel Knight Dig, which is only a few weeks away. Um, I got a demo of both games, but Shovel Knight Dig uh, took all of my attention because I am a diehard Shovel Knight fan. I'm a diehard Dig Dug fan, which I don't know if a lot of people know. Mm. Uh, I no. loved those classic games, and this is very much inspired by that with its own little roguelite twist. And uh, I got to play um, pretty much the final version. I don't know if it's the actual release version or not, but there wasn't really a timer. I just got to play until we we stopped so I could do the interview. And... Uh, it's incredible. The The sprite work, the artwork, all of it is really great. Uh, the music, of course, Jay Kaufman, still doing incredible work as he always... He I didn't know this until the interview. He is on staff at Yacht Club Games. Like, oh, like, wow. He is their composer. I never knew that. I knew that he composed for them and for other things. I believe he also composes for a bunch of the Shantae games. But like, yeah, he's on staff. He's Yacht Club Games' composer, which is pretty awesome. Um but the game is is great. Um, the opening of the game, you start pretty much from the beginning of the demo, is, you know, Shovel Knight is chilling with his, you know, horde, his loot bags just laying, sitting by the campfire, and he gets attacked by the new knight in this game. I believe it's Drill Knight, and he's just got, he looks like a Mega Man villain. He's got, like, drills all over his body. He rides mm-hmm. a giant drill and digs into the ground, and you just jump in after him. And the design of the game is... There are like areas, and if you get through the whole area, there's a hard save, and then you can start in the next area over and over again. But otherwise, it's a roguelike. If you die anywhere between the start and the boss of that area, you go back to the beginning. But when you go back to the beginning, you can spend your jewels and stuff on upgrades and enhancements and building out your camp. Um, I didn't get very far in the game. I played probably for about a half hour, because with it coming out so soon, and I know we're going to talk about it on Fun and Games... I didn't really want to ruin the experience for myself. So I I was satisfied with the half hour. I got my feet wet. And like the combat's tight. The digging mechanics are tight. There's a bunch of puzzle solving and like finding different keys to different treasure chests and different doors. Um, This is probably the best looking game I've seen uh, from Yacht Club yet. And like I love the original Shovel Knight games. King of Cards is one of my all time favorites. But like this like the it's a little more bubbly and a little more cartoony because it is a different mm-hmm. studio. It's not just Yacht Club. It's um, oh, Nitrome. Nitrome. Thank you, Jacob, with all the answers here. I love it. Uh, and, and and Nitrome are, I believe, a UK developer. And yeah, and so this partnership shines strong. Uh, it's it's developed by Nitrome. It's released by Yacht Club, published by Yacht Club. But it was great to get to talk about the game. I like the marketing push behind it. If you haven't seen it already, there is the ad that announced it was starring um, uh, Aaron Hansen and uh, Gerard, the completionist Khalil, uh, dressed as the Shovel Knight. Uh, it was like to mock <laughs> the old 90s, like, wow, that's right commercials and it was very silly and very fun um got to talk to gerard about that shoot he said the first half was great the second half was awful because every time they made aaron dig in their friend's yard they just lost it they just started laughing like they couldn't (laughs) they couldn't keep it together um 
but yeah, so it was really great. Uh, if you like Shovel Knight Dig, or rather, if you like Shovel Knight, you'll like Shovel Knight, Shovel Knight Dig. It's just more of that plus a little bit of roguelike stuff, but I'm sure the story's going to be as fun and as funny as the previous games. Yeah, the the striking thing to me when I saw it was the color. Yeah. Like it just is it looks so much more vibrant than the first uh Shovel Knight and that's saying something that cuz that game, the color in that game was great. Yeah. Yeah. It, it looks awesome. I'm really excited to play the full release when it comes out later this month. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you made a feet comment. Go ahead, Joseph. Yeah, I was just going to say uh this was actually one of the favorite game one of my favorite games I played at PAX 2019. And uh, I'm going to break the illusion a little bit because I did go to the Yacht Club booth the first day and I was talking to Celia uh, and I was like, is this the same demo? And she was like, it is. It is the same demo. So uh, this is the same demo they had three years ago. But I think that is also a testament to how good this game will be and how excited I am for this game because like three years ago, I played it and I was like, this must be coming out in a couple months. Like this looks done. This looks incredible. Uh, and then, of course, you know, we just got the release date a couple of weeks ago and I was completely stoked by it. But uh, I asked Celia, like, you know, what's been going on in those three years? And uh, she basically said, hey, we were just adding a lot of stuff. We were polishing it. We we're uh, expanding it until we were really, really happy with it. Uh, and we're finally at that point. So. I saw the demo and I was like, I really want to play this, but because it's coming so soon, I just, I can't like, I need the surprise. I need the element of surprise all over again. So, uh, I'm very excited that you enjoyed it and I'm very excited it's coming soon. Yeah, totally. Yeah. That's that shovel Knight dig, uh, coming out September 23rd on basically everything, uh, developed by Nitrone Games and Yacht Club Studio, Yacht Club Games and published by Yacht, Yacht Club Games. <laughs> so uh, excited for that one. Yeah. Wow, I'm struggling today. <laughs> Tongue uh, Matt, you made a, you made a feet, you made a feet comment about getting your feet wet with uh, Shovel Knight Dig. Uh-huh. Uh, well, I want to talk about a game about feet. Oh boy. Uh, if that's all right with y'all. Uh-oh. Okay. I was Here wondering where you were going with this. Yeah. Yeah, you're like, and here's my only fit. No. Uh, I want to talk about Angerfoot, which is my game of show. Uh, this one, again, comes to us from the same team that developed Broforce and is being published by uh, Devolver Digital. And really imagine that this game is a first person Hotline Miami game uh, where instead of shooting everyone in a bloody mess, uh, you are kicking them with your comically small left foot. Uh, it is so wild and like so satisfying to kick open doors and you know kick objects into enemies and even kick enemies there's gunplay in it too but really like you're coming at it for the for the foot action ew uh this was the first thing that i touched when i got there i went right to the devolver booth when we were in for the media hour and it's the first thing that i i played because it was in the devolver uh e3 or key three or whatever showcase and it looked incredibly fun then and i'm i'm happy to report that even though the gameplay is you know uh, the gunplay is like not the thing you're coming to the game for uh it is just so satisfying uh to hear that bass music that boom 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 as you're going through and kicking down doors into enemies just just wonderful did did either of y'all play that one uh, i, I didn't it. get a chance to okay well listen there is a there is a demo 
on Steam now uh, if you want to try it. It's being planned for release, the full game, uh, in 2023. Uh, so if games like Genital Jousting and Broforce, Hotline Miami were your bag, uh, then you definitely need to, to play the demo for Angerfoot. Again, that was developed by Free Lives and published by Devolver coming next year. Now, I do yeah, have a I question. S- I- Oh, yeah, of course. Right quick one. Sorry there. Um, Jacob, you no, said you that uh, in Angerfoot, there are comically small feet, but I thought that was based <laughs> off of your shoe size. I, it, might oh, have wow. been, it might have been a misunderstanding. Wow. Uh, Going for the I throat. told you in confidence that I had to special order Air Force Ones in seven and a half because I have small feet, and you just throw it back at me. You know what? I deserved it for the way I started the show. <laughs> That's true. Well done. Yeah, you got to get Well back done, up. sir. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, I went pat, past the Devolver booth a couple times and like I saw Angerfoot and watched some gameplay of it, but I never just got back to playing it. Um, turns out there was a lot of stuff to see at this convention, um, but, yeah, but it does look cool that, and quirky. I'm just sad we, had, we all played so many games and could talk about more than 10 games. Yeah. Um, and thankfully, later in this episode, if you stick around, uh, I'm going to have interviews for about four games that we aren't going to talk about here, uh, but I'll make sure to talk about them once we, we get there. So um, we have 10 games here, nine games here, but I will talk about more of them later in the show. So stick around for that. Awesome. Matt. Yes. What's the next game you'd like to talk about? Well, the uh, I I feel like these are the like the, the pair in the indie pantheon like the, the yacht club and the next studio i'm going to talk about because next studio i'm going to talk about is way forward um anyone following me on twitter knows that i bought in deep on the shante franchise uh, only <laughs> having played half genie hero uh i bought the limited run version switch versions of shante and the sequel i believe it's called uh risky's revenge uh both in like the big cardboard game boy color style boxes uh because I played Half Genie Hero a while back, recommended by a friend of the show, Jeff uh, Moonen, my co-host. And uh, I wanted to see where the legacy of these games. And so I bought them. And while I was at the limited run booth, I happened to also snag an interview with the game director of River City Girls 2, Bannon Rudis. Um, Bannon has worked on a multitude of WayForward games, but it was, of course, there promoting river city girls which whose release is imminent he wouldn't give a release date but he did say this year we are running out of runway for this year so my (laughs) guess is this winter uh, if i had to call a date i think probably november or december Um, but i got to play a demo of the the latest version of the game and it is leaps and bounds better than the first game and the reason i wanted to talk about it is because i played river city girls one it was fine, but I didn't get very far because it's really hard and I didn't have anyone to play local with and there was no online multiplayer. The sequel has more characters, online multiplayer, uh, bigger mm-hmm. maps, um, uh, easier ways to get ahead, whether it's you can grind in certain areas, you can store buy items and store them for quick heals, you can all sorts of like quality of life upgrades that make this game way more approachable than the previous installment. Um, and I had a blast. I played the demo with Bannon, um, and uh, we kicked some ass. I picked, I can't even remember the character's name, though, but there's a character who's from Double Dragon in this one, white hair, um, like like a grappler, essentially. Uh, and uh, But it, the game is great. It looks great. It sounds great. I mean, if you were a fan of the first game, this is more of that. It looks just as good. It sounds just as good. Um, and the co-op demo was a ton of fun. I think it's more than two players, but I don't recall um 
but yeah, it, it's great. It it's one of those like I'm a beat 'em up fan. Um, I never shut up about the Scott Pilgrim game. Um, I love the old school. It's a Turtles. good game. It is a good game. Um, the old Turtles games, I Shredder's Revenge, which just came out, which I loved. Like I'm a big beat 'em up fan, and so I was really excited to get my hands on River City Girls. Um, fun fact, also, this is another game where I got to interview. Um, Bannon, um, and a little inside baseball in case you don't make it over to fun and games. Um, I had this credible thing happen where during the demo of River City Girls, I mentioned that I bought those two Shantae games and that I was thinking of buying the newest one, Seven Sirens, which I haven't picked up yet. During the interview with Bannon, mid-interview, he reaches out of his backpack and pulls out a copy of Seven Sirens and gifts it to me on the po- on the interview, on the podcast. And so... Thank you, Bannon. That was very sweet. Uh, I'm excited to now have pretty much every Shantae game except for um, Pirate's Curse, which is like $700 online uh, on, the, on the low end. Um, but yeah, it's great. If you if you haven't played any of the River City games or River City Ransom games, River City uh, Girls 2 kind of lays out exactly where... It takes place literally right after the last game ended, but it gives you mm-hmm. the background... Also, it's a beat em up. You don't really need the story. If you like beat em ups, <laughs> if you like cool chiptune music, this is definitely the game for you, and you should definitely check it out. If you liked even the the new Turtles game as well, because yeah. I know that that just came out, and is Shredder's Revenge is very good. Yes, not made by Way Forward, but basically every other game that you mentioned was Way Forward. Yeah, it's Dadimu, I believe, and Tribute, yep. who also yep. made. Uh, I believe Dadimu made uh, the recent Streets of Rage too, Streets of Rage mm-hmm. Four. Um, they may have also made uh, uh, the disc game, the oh, cult yeah. classic, um, Windjammers. Windjammers. I think they did the Windjammers sequel and the remake. So they did. thank you, Joseph. So I have a, uh, I have a quick question before we go to me. I have a quick question because I'm, I'm happy to say that, or I'm happy to hear that you said River City Girls 1 was too hard because I played it and I was like, what's going on? I am absolutely getting my butt trounced uh so i'm curious what you thought about river city girls 2 in terms of difficulty uh was it the co-op that helped was it the the new range of characters what's your take on that so it was definitely a little of everything i feel like to be diplomatic uh it's definitely the co-op um it's definitely the way it's structured there there are a lot of reasons why I think this version is easier than the first one. It's not easy, that said. It's still a challenge, but I feel like the the fact that you can store items and take them with you from the shops, the fact that you can kind of navigate the map more easily, you can see where missions are on the map and just kind of run to them. You don't have to fight everybody that you encounter. Um, the like They've given you a lot of resources to make the game less of a challenge. Also, it has online multiplayer. That's the big difference. It's like the the previous game was local only, so if you didn't have anyone to play it with, you it was just really overwhelmingly hard. But in this game, if you're struggling, you can just go online with your session and play with other people. And okay. uh, it is uh, it definitely makes the difficulty lessened when you have other folks who can just jump in with you. Yeah, we're handing it over to me. Uh, and I'll talk about a little game uh, that involves a gun and an umbrella. Some would call it a gunbrella. Ooh. That's right. Gunbrella. Yeah. We're going back to Devolver. Um, I've been excited for this game ever since I saw it announced, I believe, in the Switch showcase some time ago. Um, mm-hmm. And it's kind of that game where you're like, okay, Gunbrella, that is a hilarious name. This looks just rad. Will it, will it be good? Will the game actually live up to the hilarious name 
for this title. And I'm happy to say, yeah, it does. I played it. It was I played it on I think the first day. I played it for about 30 minutes or so. And immediately you kind of just get it. You're like, okay, this is how they're gonna use the gumbrella. They're using it for traversal, they're using it for interesting combat as well as like combat puzzles i want to say and when i say combat puzzles i mean like there's a turret and you can shield yourself from the turret bullets but the turret's going to push you back so you can't really progress so what do you do well you reflect the bullets with the gumbrella how does that work i don't know maybe the, the gumbrella's made out of <laughs> i don't add a man team or something who knows but anyways nice just little tricks like that where as you're starting to progress through the levels and the platformer, you start to say, oh, okay, this is really neat. Like, for example, the glide mechanic. Of course, you're doing your little Mary Poppins thing, but once you actually kind of are controlling the character and feel how it works, you're kind of like, oh, this is really cool. And I can see when I get, you know, 5, 10, you know, 12 hours deep into the game, how this can probably make for some interesting platforming challenges or some interesting boss or enemy rush room. So uh, I'm very excited about that. Another thing that I saw, was, which was pretty interesting, is I got to this town and I'm talking to this little apple vendor lady. Uh, and she's like, hey, do you want to buy some apples? Also, I'm looking for my sister. I'm very worried about her. She was supposed to come from the other town. And that's when I was like, wait a second. Are there side quests in this game? Like, how deep does this game go? Uh, and that's when, after I played, I talked to the developers and I was like, was that a side quest? And they were like, absolutely, like we have towns in the game and each town has their own little story that's going on. Uh, you can nice. link up with nice. characters and if you choose to you know, pursue those side stories, they can become bigger parts in the game. Or you could just you know, do the necessary requirements for the town and then go along with the uh, main quest line. So that's when I was like, okay, not only is this a gunbrella hilarious romp obviously there's going to be some comedic elements into it not only are there cool combat mechanics and puzzles but there's also going to be some small rpg elements in terms of quests and uh, side quests and mainline quests and there was also a little moment in the in the town where i was walking around and some guy was like hey tell me the code i'm like what's the code and he's like tell me about like stinky jim and you had to describe Stinky Jim to him. And I tried to describe him. He's like, no, you don't know Stinky Jim. Get out of here. So you basically have to go to this little shop, meet Stinky Jim, learn about him. And then, you know, that's kind of your code to get through to the next level. So I think there are some fun and interesting stuff that Garmbella is going to try. And coming from the creators of Gato Robato, which I played uh, courtesy of Jacob. Incredible. I think that, you know, that game had a lot of charm. That game had a lot of interesting and unique gameplay mechanics. I think this is going to go to a completely another level. Um, so very excited for that. I think this is coming out sometime in 2023. And a cool thing about it is it's going to be, I think they said they played it on the Steam Deck and it worked uh, right out, out of the box. So it should be Steam Deck verified when it comes as well. If you're interested in listening to that episode of the Left Behind Game Club about Gato Roboto, it's number 82. Uh, so go down on the feed, listen to that one. It's a great episode. It's a great game. Uh, and I also spoke to developers and played it. Joseph, I agree with 100% of what you said. Uh, here's the fun part. Uh, they came up with the core conceit first, the gumbrella first, and are building a game around it. Um, so in this case, it was the pun that came first, unlike Gato Roboto, where the game came first and the pun came later. Yeah, I uh, first of all, I love Gato Roboto. That game is one of the best short-form Metroidvanias I've ever played. It's just a tight, per, kind almost perfect game because of what it presents. But 
I played Gunbrella also. It was the first thing I played during the media hour on the first day. I went straight for it because I knew I didn't have an appointment. And I, while playing it, was like, wow, this feels familiar. The charm, the look. And I had no idea it was the same developers as Gato Roboto. But now that I know that, I'm definitely buying this game day one. Because I got, I don't even remember why I got Gato Roboto. I think it was just like on sale cheap on Switch. And I had heard good things. And so I just picked it up on a whim and... I was blown away with by it. But yeah, uh, what I love about what you were talking about, Joseph, is like the early stuff just seems so goofy and weird in the same way that like Gato Roboto was. Like you just accept the fact that this cat is now um, a mech driving, shooting, alien shooting, my, mouse fighting badass. And like in the same thing, like you're just a guy with a gumbrella and that's it. Like there's really nothing much more to the conceit than that. Uh, you may more find out about find out more about the hero as it goes on, but like in the early hours, it's just like, no, this is who you are. Do you need more than that? Get going, and I, I love that. <laughs> that it's just like here, here's the punchline. Just go play the game. Yeah, Kiki the cat is adorable and uh, kills aliens in a good way. So, uh, Gato Robato is a great game. Uh, Gumbrella may be better uh, coming next year again from Doinksoft and Devolver Digital. Uh, y'all, it's time to talk about Demon School. Yeah, uh, which may have been a lot of our favorite games at or amongst our favorite games at PAX West. Uh, this is a game coming from uh, Necrosoft Games. Uh, and actually, if you stick around a minute or two, I'm going to play an interview that I had with Brendan Sheffield, who's the creative director over at Necrosoft. Uh, but this game is a combination of like a, a Shin, Megami, Shin Megami game as far as the school sim part of it goes and then a tactics-based RPG um, all based on uh, Italian horror cinema from the 70s and then with a twist of, uh, you know, they love the Sega Saturn and some of the tricks that you had to use to get the game to look really good on the Saturn. And so if you watch the trailer for this game, you'll see a skull man kind of come out of the water and that is like classic Saturn-style graphics and it's just vibes and it's great and the tactics gameplay that I played in at least the, the small vertical slice that I that I played was was super fun uh, so if if either one of those things Shin Megami Tensei uh, slash Persona uh, or like a tactics game like an Advance Wars a Fire Emblem uh, even even games like uh, Into the Breach would kind of fit because the characters in the game have like you know three or four HP not like a million HP like <laughs> like some tactics games uh, but if any of that like sounded interesting to you, uh, Demon School was was absolutely a banger and may have been one of the games that I, I loved the most on the floor. Uh, Matt, I, I think you played this one too, right? I did. It was one of my first appointments, and like I had chosen it just based on aesthetics because it's like, what if Buffy was an anime and not made by Joss Whedon? Thank God. Um, <laughs> Travis just wishlisted this game, by the way, based on what you just said. Nice, yeah, yeah. So, but. Yeah, the, I got to sit down with it and like what was really interesting to me is the tactics system. You don't there aren't turns. You can choose whoever you want at any time and act and you could attack with the same bruiser three times and then be out of turns. Every time you attack, the cost on your like uh round points costing more, but also there are two characters who can't do any damage. One is just status effects and one is just healing. And I think and then two can do damage. And I love that distinction, whereas a lot of other tactics games, it's like anybody can do anything. And like you can kind of like the Fire Emblem, which I love, you can kind of choose what you want everybody to do. Some people have specialties, but you could force the melee character to be a bow and arrow character. Can't do this here. You have to use what they're already good with. Uh, and like the battle system just seems to work really well, is really tight. 
And the graphics are incredible. Like Jacob was saying, like it's all sprite work except for the backgrounds, which is 3D animations that is designed to blend in. And so when the fights break out, they kind of rise out of the ground in this explosion of 3D animation. It's really brilliantly done. Yeah, absolutely a a game that I'm that I'm super excited for. Uh, and what we're gonna do is we're gonna play some audio of me interviewing uh, Brendan Sheffield on the floor at PAX West. Uh, so just played through uh, a demo for Demon School, and obviously this game has tons of very cool inspirations. Uh, could you talk about what inspired uh, both the gameplay and the art style of this one? Yeah. So art wise, we were definitely influenced by. Italian horror cinema and also Japanese horror manga, even though it's a little less horrific than those things, maybe. It's a little more spooky than truly horror. But I really like how in horror films, um, when you see a practical effects, like somebody's guts getting pulled out or whatever, it makes you think about, like, how did they do that? How did they make that look good? And I, I really enjoy when you can see the work that has been done. Uh, it, it's, it doesn't take you out of it, but it makes you wonder about it. And uh, I feel similarly about when I play old Saturn games, when they're like using dithered transparent cubes to represent something. It's like, wow, they were really trying. And so I want to evoke that visually in this game uh, with our kind of combination of 2D and 3D and the way we do our low-poly 3D um, bosses and things like that. Gameplay-wise, we were, and when I say influenced, I mean these were like starting points of in inspiration from which we then kind of evolved our own ideas, but um, the Yakuza series is a big influence in terms of the pacing and kind of how we deal with side quests and things like that. Um, there was Valkyria Chronicles, which we, sort of got us on the path of thinking about the battle system. Ultimately, with the battle system, I wanted to create something where you make less clicks, fewer clicks. Um, so you're very like, select your character and choose a direction. And that's all you have to do. Um, whereas usually you're like, select the character, choose a, a tile, confirm there, uh, select what kind of action you want to do, confirm that, confirm the enemy, etc. And it's, that's all fine and I love those games, but I wanted to do something different than that. Um, there's also Shin Megami Tensei, Tensei Devil Survivor, um, which was a, an influence that was on the on the DS, and um, they have like the time of day things and um, character relationships and spooky weird demons and stuff like that. So, yeah, those were some of the things that we were thinking about when when working with the gameplay. Um, can you just tell me when uh, Demon School is scheduled to be out and uh, on what consoles, if you know? Yeah. So sometime in 2023, we're not sure exactly. We said we have to finish it first, um, but definitely 2023, and it'll be on PC and all consoles. Awesome! Thank you so much for your time. Thank you very much. Cool. Wishlisted if you if you like what you heard. Yeah. Uh, Matt, uh, what is your final game that you want to talk about today? So my final game is actually a game that's been in early access for a bit of time, but I had actually never gotten my hands on it until PAX West, and that's a game called 30XX. If you are a Mega Man or Mega Man X fan, you are familiar with 20XX, which was a roguelike Mega Man game. This is the sequel. It's been the 1.0 patch has not been released yet. It said that they they have an idea of their timeline, but no official release date. But anyway, I got to meet with Chris King, who's the creative director of uh, Battery Staple, which is the publisher and developer for um, 30XX, and. 
30XX is the is just the perfect follow-up. I didn't drive with 20XX initially because I have trouble with roguelikes. I'm roguelites or roguelikes, all of them. Uh, they tend to be a little punishing. I don't get through them very easily. Hades is one of the exceptions to the rule because of the god mode and other things that made it more approachable. But what 30XX does that's a little different is not only is it a little more forgiving, it uh, it has a Mega Man mode. It's called Mega Mode or Mega something. You can just set the game up to play it like you pick your robot master and go fight them. But cool. each world is still like when you start that run, all of those worlds are randomly generated. So Ooh. if you play that mode, you still get the random generation of a roguelike, but it's in the set path where you pick the stage you want to go to. The main hmm. the main mode is the same as ever, but it's you know, with multiplayer feels very much more approachable. There are a lot more um items and like setup that just make the game feel more accessible uh in a way that the original didn't. And uh I actually got the scoop from Chris King, who I did also interview for Fun and Games. He said that he used to spy on like he would go into like forums and he would go into other places and like just see what people were saying about the game and like see if he could tweak it, make it better, make changes. And I think that that's really brilliant to like try and see what the audiences themselves are saying, especially like the streamers and stuff like that. I think Bannon also said he did something similar with River City Girls 1 to get ideas for River City Girls 2. But uh, yeah, 30XX, I had a lot of fun. I demoed the game with Chris King. We played it together. Um, I, of course, played the Zero Analog, uh, I believe Axis or Axel. And... Um, Man, I love a beam sword in a Mega Man game. That's just my <laughs> uh And so, yeah, I uh, it's it's in early access now. You can go buy it and play it right this minute. And uh, if you do that, you will get access to the first version of the game when it's ready. Um, it's a lot of fun to play already. I'm excited for the final release. And it's not a game that was anywhere on my radar because I had bounced off the first game so much. First game also doesn't have a ton of narrative. This sec sequel has a ton of narrative uh, exposition. There's a reason the characters are doing what they're doing. Uh, I think this is going to be like the primo experience for those who have been kind of craving something to uh, take the place of Mega Man X, which let's just say the more recent games weren't uh, weren't very good, weren't very playable on any level. Uh, so <laughs> if you're looking to scratch that itch, especially of the super late Super Nintendo or early PlayStation era of Mega Man X, this game will definitely do that and is absolutely worth your time, even now in the early access stage. It looked like Mega Man Zero to me as well, yes. like the, the Game Boy Advance games. Mm -hmm. uh, this is a far cry from uh, Mighty Number no. 9, which like did not land at all. No, not even a little bit. And I've only played like the intro stage of that. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, like Mega Man being such a popular franchise... Um, people don't often hit that Mega Man-like vibe very often. So to see this come out and pretty much nail it, to hear that you had a really good time with it, I think a lot of people are going to be very, very happy with this, like providing their Mega Man fix um, for the first time in forever. Because like you said, Jacob, Mighty Number no. 9, I remember, was very hyped up leading to the release, and it kind of fell flat. So hopefully this is the redemption story that the Mega Man fans need. 
<laughs> and I mean, they are getting Battle Network, the collection on Switch uh, and other consoles soon. So maybe it'll be 30XX delivers, that delivers, and Mega Man fans are finally happy. I mean, we got Mega Man 11, which is a very good Mega Man game. I was very happy with that game. As someone who felt burned by like the classic retreads of 9 and 10, I thought 11 was mm-hmm. great. Uh, and so this scratches it, which scratches a different itch, I think, than Mega Man X does. That's more about speed and traversal. And this game has that in spades for sure. Uh, so again, that's that's 30XX. Uh, that comes from Battery Staple, both developed and published uh, by them. Um, Joseph, what is your final title that you'd like to talk about on this pod? Yeah, so my final title is one that you actually steered me towards, and that is Turbo Overkill. Oh. Um, I was originally not very interested in playing Turbo Overkill. Um, When I looked at the trailer, it looked very much like Doom. And while I've played both Dooms to some extent, I haven't finished either. I know that they're great games. There's just something about the movement or the enemies that kind of uh, put me off of it after playing a certain amount of time. So I was like, ah, this seems like something similar. I don't know. But uh, one of the PR people from Apogee, Apogee, how do you, how are we pronouncing it? Apogee, there we go. One of the PR people from Apogee uh, told me, hey, stop by the booth. And they put me in front of Turbo Overkill. And I'm very happy they did because I was having a blast. I don't know if it was the art style. I don't know if it was the particular, particular, particular fluidity of the gameplay or the weapons or just kind of like the arcadey, goofy nature of it. But it just worked for me where I was like, I finished a level and I was in like the back media room, but I would finish the level. I was looking around like, is anybody going to kick me off of this? No. OK, let me start. <laughs> let me start another level up. Uh, it was just fantastic fun. Just the, the swiftness at which your character moves, the suite of attacks you can use to dismember enemies. Not many of the enemies were fighting back at all. So it just felt good using your little chainsaw legs to, to slice up these random mobs or shoot uh missiles at these big brutes that explode them also while you're shooting missiles you flip off uh the brutes while the while the <laughs> missiles are in the air absolutely incredible That's great and it's just like paying homage to the doom catalog and also just having fun with the arcadey like run and gun genre and i spoke to the developer while i was playing and he was just like hey i'm just trying to make something that people are uh, happy with that people have fun with it's not too much about adding a deep story or or doing anything like that i just want to make the funnest game possible and i think he totally hit the nail on the head there was even a moment where i was playing and i was just going through this like cityscape level and all of a sudden i enter this room that is reminiscent of like the training room and like a street fighter game or something with like all the lines mm. on the wall except it was bright neon pink and totally hitting that like cyber punk like edge runner aesthetic from from the olden days and i was like this is absolutely incredible uh so i don't know if i broke the matrix or whatever was going on in the story at that point (laughs) but i was like this is absolutely incredible this is cool and this is a game that obviously is not taking itself too seriously but when we talk about mechanics when we talk about the feel of the controller i'm like there's no like I still don't believe that this one guy that was talking to me did all of this. I was like, there's just no way, like, the, just just the way that you're fluidly moving around the arena, the way that the guns feel, all of that, I think 
really unmatched. I feel like anybody that enjoyed Doom is going to absolutely be surprised and, and fall in love with this one. So shout out to Turbo Overkill. No, I I loved it. It, uh, it was like one part the gameplay of Serious Sam to me and then one part like Duke Nukem's brashness and then you throw in like a cyberpunk aesthetic and that's Turbo Overkill. So, um, yeah, from Trigger Happy Interactive, I super loved it. It's on Early Access now. The first episode is out there in full, so if you want to play it, you can grab it on Steam. Uh, episode 2 is coming uh, imminently, from my understanding, and then, obviously, there's a third episode potentially coming down the road. So, um, if any of the words that Joseph and I said about this game interest you, uh, Turbo Overkill is a game to check out for sure. I, I was almost like, this is my game of show, but... I guess for me, it's like um, uh, feet games this year because there's yeah. a chainsaw yeah. attached to your leg. So I guess it's like a feet game year for me. Mm-hmm. Learn a lot about uh, you today. Yeah, we're learning a whole <laughs> lot about Jacob McCourt. Um, yeah, it's funny. I didn't actually go to even look at that game because I interviewed Sam, Sam Preble for uh, Funny Games a while back. Uh, Stride PR reached out to me directly and he came on the show to talk about the game. He actually was an old school Doom modder and speedrunner and that's where makes so much where sense. the game's uh inception comes from but he uh he came on the show and we talked about it and yeah the game looks great i played the demo back during the steam next fest uh where they had all those online demos and uh it's incredible i cannot wait for the final release uh it is it is definitely one to look out for especially if you like fast first person shooters uh my last game is not about feet i promise um my last game is it's a wrap uh, this one is from Chanko Studios, and uh, essentially the the conceit on that one is it's one part 2D platformer and then one part uh, non-linear video editor like Premiere, where essentially you are editing your uh, your level and the things that happen in the level with a non-linear video editor, and then you are playing it as time goes, and it's really like got a movie set and like film aesthetic. Uh, like I, I said, Tintin was kind of an inspiration, um, but maybe, maybe not. And you'll hear more in the interview, uh, that I'm, but let's just play the interview right now. Uh, yeah. So I'm Guillaume Bernard. I'm the co-founder of Tronco Studios and, uh, we are working on the game It's a Rap that is published by AMC Games. So this game, uh, obviously has a really unique core conceit to it. I was hoping that you could say what inspired the like video editor plus platformer game that, that we've got here. Right, so we got the idea of the game uh, during a game jam where the, the theme was Rewind, which um, gave us the, like quickly we, we had turned to video in related mechanics basically and, and brainstorm our way up to video editing because most of us had some experience with video editing. Um, and yeah, the reason why we added platforming to, uh, on top of that is basically it gives us like a set of rules that are very common that most gamers know and uh, that you can like try to like yeah use as a basic rule to solve the puzzle that the, the, the new mechanic of uh, our timeline um, brings to the table basically. But it's actually not the only kind of gameplay that we have. We have some levels that are more inspired by um, space shooters or like top-down old-style racing. Um, the only thing that matters is that the the kind of gameplay we use is very basic so that people can really focus on the puzzle and that there is no confusion between um, like is this, is am I failing because i'm I haven't solved the puzzle or am I failing because I'm not good enough at the the game like the action uh, game 
Um, what are you and some of your team's inspirations as far as media or even other games that you, you know, kind of look to or even just love? Um, right, so one of the big reference, I guess, at the very beginning when we started making a time-related puzzle game was uh, Bread. Um, uh, yeah, and it's also like uh, one of the indie games that we all love and like one of those that inspired many developers to, to start making indie games, right? Um, more lately on the project, we got very inspired by The Pedestrian. It's also a puzzle game uh, with like this two phase of gameplay kind of. Like uh, first you have to solve a puzzle and then you platform your way through it. Uh, actually, it came as an inspiration later on in the in the development of the project because we got the idea before we all played the pedestrian, but then we found this, this game and then we all automatically saw all the all the connections that we we had to it. Um, yeah, other than that, the inspirations in terms of the the art style are, are more movie related than than games related. It's it's completely inspired by the the eighties movies. Um, like one reason is like there is a lot of cult movies uh, in that era that uh, that we all love, and uh, another reason more practical is that it's actually like the end of the practical special effects uh, that makes a lot of sense to use in our in our own levels. Like it's all about timing real stuff, uh, and so yeah, the reason why it's a it's a challenge it's because it it's on set and then you have this. Uh, movie set uh, feeling that you have to time props that are really there and not just make special effects on a computer later on. So that was that yeah basically our two reasons um, for using the 80s as a as a as a, as a universe you know, setting. Uh, last question for you. So you're you're being published or working with AMC. Um, I think it's pretty cool that a game about you know the the films business that has like video editing as a core mechanic is being published by AMC. How did that whole thing come to be? Yeah, obviously the fact that the, the, the game is about making movies uh, in, interested them a lot. Uh, and then also they saw the, the innovation and the uniqueness of, of our game and they really fell in love with it. So for us it was, it was really perfect. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a match made in heaven basically. Um, and yeah, I don't know if I can say much more about that. It's, it's, uh, we really enjoy working with them. They are really open to too many things and they, are, they help us a lot in the production of the game uh, about the game uh, when are you expecting to, to put it out what platforms uh, and uh, and thank you in advance for, the, for your time um, so the game is going to come out in the first half of uh, 2023 uh, the demo is already available on Steam uh, it's going to be available on almost every platform on PC and then consoles hopefully will come later but it's not announced yet amazing again thank you for your time and uh, the game was a lot of fun yeah, thank you so much. That was Guillaume Bernard from uh, Chenko Studios. They're a French developer. Um, did either of you have a chance to play It's a Wrap? I did. It was really great. Um, I thought that the aesthetic of having a video editor and a platformer at the same time, so it's this puzzle game platformer, is a really cool combination. Um, and I really had a lot of fun with it. I thought it was really great. Yeah, I didn't get a chance Joseph. to uh, get go hands-on with it. I stopped by the booth a couple times, and there was always somebody playing it, having a good time. Uh, but it looked very interesting from what I saw, and uh, from hearing the testimonies from you and a uh, friend of the show, Luke, Luke Lewis. I'm very excited about this one. I'm very interested, and I was talking to uh, the 
AMC rep, which I was like, AMC, what is going on here? How's this working? And we, we've talked about yes, a lot that, that weekend. AMC. That AMC, absolutely. I got the business card and I was like, better call Saul is on here. What is happening right now? But <laughs> um, yeah, like just talking to them and, and hearing the excitement about the, the concept is very unique. Um, and like they're working very hard to bring it to all platforms as well. I know it's going to start on PC, but they're working on consoles as well. So I'm, I'm looking forward to getting my hands on that one. Yeah. And, uh, the, 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 um, executive from AMC who was there had, had shared that this is not their first game. It was their third game. Uh, they published a game called the Magnificent Truffle Pigs, which was like a first person, um, like exploration game where you're digging things up in the English countryside Mm. and then their first game was called airplane mode and it was literally about your experience going on a six hour commercial flight in real time and coach I remember that game I remember people streaming that game bizarre bizarre game but uh but maybe one you want to check out we haven't played it so I don't want to say like you should play it but it's definitely a weird interesting conceit uh that's it's a wrap uh again from Chanko Studios Joseph one more thing you gotta say honestly I hope the the caveat to that game is like you're on the airplane and they're playing some AMC TV show for six hours and somehow they get like some (laughs) residuals from that because I'm like why is why is AMC interested in this please explain it to me I mean, they were part of making those Walking Dead games. Like, it wasn't just Telltale. AMC started a game studio to, like, as I think they helped publish or whatever. I don't remember the, the fine-tuned details. I mean, they would at least be, like, as as a maybe a licensor. Yeah. I, I don't know. But, yes, that, that makes total sense. Um, okay, so those were nine games that you have to check out. Uh, before we get into a couple more interviews, I want to cover a tenth thing, and that was the video game trivia panel that was done uh, at PAX West. Uh, thank you both for being a part of it. Um, I'm going to eventually put that up. Um, probably, no, I'm not going to say. We haven't decided we're going to put it up yet, but if you want to watch it, uh, you can watch it on the PAX2 Twitch account. Uh, there's a highlight there where you can watch the whole episode long. Um, our victors were, were Cam Hawkins, uh, freelancer extraordinaire, and uh, Roxanne Sabo, who works for Amazon Games. Uh, they were the winners. Uh any any thoughts? It was a, it was a lot of fun, and the audience in the in the room was was super engaged uh, to the point where the last question that was answered, someone knew in the crowd. They ran up to the microphone, and it was the best moment of the whole panel. It was great. I mean, I would say though, as much as I like like Roxy, that the win was really Cam's. Cam did a lot of the heavy lifting <laughs> in that in that victory. Says one of the two non-binary contestants who only had three points, but you know we looked good that night, so I'll, I'll give us that. Um, <laughs> No, it was a lot of fun. It was a blast. Um, I said to you that night, and I'll say it again here on air, this is the way this this is meant to... Like, the Twitch show is great. I've always had fun coming on, but, like, this was the venue for that game show. It was so much fun. The crowd was super into it. Um, your incorporation of the audience as a, as a fourth team was really awesome. Like, it was just... It was super well done, and I had a blast being a part of it. Yeah, I had a great time as well. Um, you know, Cam and Roxanne may have won, but at the at the end of the day, we're all winners, right? So no need to give out any trophy. We're all winners. Uh, so yeah, we don't need to mention who won anymore. That's what losers say. We don't need to mention who won anymore. Uh, but yeah, I had a great time. Jacob, you are a fantastic host, natural host energy the entire way through. And uh, let me tell you, it was pretty good because I only had nightmares about that brutal legend question like three times so far. So that's pretty good. <laughs> God, that question. 
What makes me mad um, about that question is that I love Brutal Legend. It's one of it's a favorite of mine, and I totally forgot about that. I mean, that last question is always is always meant to stump folks. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think for for me the highlight also was uh, playing the asking the price of the fifty cent bulletproof game. Yeah. And the audience's reaction was was top notch. And who knew uh, what the score was? Uh, who knew the Metacritic score for uh, Touch My Katamari on PlayStation Vita would be so nice? Nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nice. Also, you um, know, a certain host of the panel put several Mass Effect three references in just to hurt me. Uh, someone who claims to think Mass Effect 3 is actually one of the best games in the franchise has said it on my show, still went out it. went out to attack me personally during that <laughs> panel. I, I have made a TikTok to put my, my thoughts on the record, um, but yeah, Ma- Mass Effect 3 is the best playing Mass Effect game. Mass Effect 2, in my opinion, has the best story. I'd agree. And then Mass Effect 1 does a great job at building the world, so they're all great in their own way, but yeah, I definitely put the second Mass Effect mention in that panel to hurt you, so sorry. <laughs> uh, again, if you want to check that out, uh, thank you for saying the nice things. Uh, if you want to check that out and you haven't watched it, it's on twitch.tv slash PAX2. Uh, it's a highlight on there. You can check it out it's it's pretty easy to find uh and then my friends is uh, is is going to be the first part of our pax west episode uh before i throw it to uh i've got about four interviews that i want to run you through after this um i wanted to give the opportunity for my friends joseph and matt to uh say where they can be found on the internet and where their pax west coverage is going to live uh i want to start with joseph sure so uh I don't know when this episode is dropping, but by the time you guys are listening to this, um, okay, Friday. So great. Uh, player, player pod or player, player video game podcast can be found on all podcasting platforms of your liking. And let me tell you, this episode is crazy. Not only because we talked about PAX West, but there's a crazy announcement at the beginning of the episode that you do not want to miss. So that was crazy. Um, And then also campause.com is my personal website. That's where all of my uh, reviews on the or previews and and coverage on the PAX West content and weekend are going to be. So uh, starting with tomorrow. I guess it'll already be out. I keep forgetting this is coming out Friday. It's already out. Go to the website and keep keep watching it for the next couple of weeks. Yeah, you have a great article too about the the ten games that you're ready for after packs, and we've talked about a few of them, but there are a few other ones that you dive into. Uh, Cookie Cutter, Planet of Lana. Go to campause.com if you want to check that out. Nice, Matt. My turn. Uh, so I'm Matt A.K. Stormageddon, a.k.a. DJ underscore Stormageddon. I'm that on all socials. So TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, best place to find me. The coverage for PAX West will live on Fun and Games. That's Fun and Games Pod on Twitter, Tumblr, and Instagram. Um, it'll be me and Jeff. Jeff kind of, because he couldn't make it, unfortunately, he had a wedding to go to, so he couldn't make the, the trip. We'll just be interviewing me about my favorite stuff. We'll have a little banter back and forth and then get to the good stuff. I have 11 interviews waiting to go. I got to talk to some incredible people like Beck Saltzman of, at Finji. I got to talk to Chris King, as I mentioned before, Celia from Yacht Club Games. ton of really great interviews. They're all going to be shotgun back-to-back in that episode. Uh, it'll be out about three weeks from when you're hearing this. And uh, I can't wait for you all to hear it. Uh, Jacob, again, thank you for having me. If you want to check out anything else that I'm working on, you can go to djstormageddon.com. I host three other podcasts besides Fun and Games. I also edit and produce a ton more, including the Game Informer show. So if you want to check out all of that stuff, again, go to djstormageddon.com or drop me a line on Twitter. Awesome. Uh, Thank you both so much for being on the show. Hell yeah. Uh, 
and we are going to start with our first interview. It's with Dave Proctor from Mighty Yell. Uh, they made a game called The Big Con, and my first question was about making a game in the city of Toronto. Yeah, so we are a entirely remote, but still, I'd say, 95% based in Ontario. Cool. Uh, so we got people in, you know, Toronto, Scarborough, Bracebridge, like that's our... And then Calgary is the rest of the... So the, the setting in the game is Malton. Is that, did you do that on purpose? Uh, okay, so this is great. I'm having a Southern Ontario video games moment. This is beautiful. <laughs> so the, the demo that you saw is the second level of our game. So the, the game is about a, a, a teenage con artist traveling the city, or traveling the world, pardon me, um, to like try to save her family video store. The first stop that she goes to is a mall, and we named it the Malton Mall, which is obviously a combination of, of Halton Hills... And Milton, <laughs> and that is, and yeah, that is exactly where that came from. For anyone who's not from Toronto and the <laughs> Toronto area, uh, those are places around Toronto. So, uh, no, super cool. I, I noticed too that there are a lot of inspirations from what I found to be like '90s, and we talked about YTV. Yeah. Uh, can you talk about some of the inspirations? Because I think it ha- sticking around, like, yeah, got a yeah, lot of inspirations nice. there. Yeah, we, we. I mean, like, I grew up in the in that very sort of like '90s cartoon generation. Um, Doug. Our Real Monsters, Rugrats, all that stuff. Like, Nickelodeon was shipped up to YTV, right? So we had, like, an in... Like, we had a Canadian broadcast standards force-feeding of, of bright, colorful, Klasky supo content. Uh, and, like, and like that was what I watched growing up, right? Um, so that... When we thought of, like, how to make a game about... Set in the 90s, how do we make it look that way? That's where we went first. Um, yeah. And so, if you had to describe really succinctly, like what the game's all about, you, yeah. you said the story, but what do you do besides pickpocketing folks in the game? Yeah, absolutely. So, Allie is uh, she's a con artist, and what we wanted to do was make an adventure game that feels more open-ended than traditional adventure games. So, instead of being like this is the one key, this is the one door, and then here's the next key, here's the next door. It's um, there's one door for the entire level and it's you have to get $78 but there's all these people around there's all these keys right so this person has some money this person wants a toy this kid has a toy do you want to steal the toy sell it to this guy or do you just want to pickpocket both of them Um, and you can like you can kind of mix and match which cons you want to do and what feels like natural to you and also what feels like you're not a terrible person like it's up to you to, to make those calls the fun thing too is if you choose to pickpocket somebody and you get caught you, they are suspicious of you, and you can't engage in those little quests until you find a disguise and then go approach them again. So, What made you decide to make a game about a, a con artist trying to save a video store? I love con artist movies in general. And like which movies. ones? Uh, like Matchstick Men, like The Sting, uh, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Um, those are the three that are coming to my mind right now. But I, I think they're just like... It's a power fantasy without violence and at mighty l we are doing our best in a combat driven industry to make games without violence and this was like a way to feel real cool and smart and and not force the player to hurt anybody to to progress right um so that was like that was our major motivation uh tell me more about what platforms the game is on because it's out uh where folks can find it and uh maybe where folks can find y'all on the web yeah you can buy it right now on uh, pc via steam epic Humble, we're coming to GOG soon. Um, you can get it on Xbox One and Xbox Series X, and you can get it on Nintendo Switch. Uh, any idea like what might be next for y'all? 
I one hundred percent know exactly what is next for us. <laughs> the way that you asked the question was whether or not I had an idea. Ah, ah got you. You got me. Um, you can follow us at Mighty Yell. Uh, we're going to be announcing some new stuff very soon, which is great. And I mean, we're going to be around for a long time. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you very much. Next, we've got Bartem Lezakowski, the creative director at Plot Twist. This is an interview for The Last Case of Benedict Fox. The first question, what inspired the game? There are many inspirations, and among of them, uh, well, we wanted uh, to have a cartoony game. Uh, that was uh, one of the um, goals that we wanted to achieve, because we wanted to contrast it with a mature and uh, intimate storytelling. So uh, it kind of... Uh, uh, close the gap between our game and, for example, Tim Burton movies because the, the cartoony art style is pretty uh, characteristic. And, but we also uh, draw inspiration, for example, from uh, a very old classic noir uh, German cinema because our art director, Pavel Chapla, is a huge movie nerd. Um, I think a good question maybe to follow up that is if you had to describe your game in maybe like 30 seconds, uh, what is the, the last case of Benedict Fox? Yeah, so, so it's a um, two and a half D action platformer uh, with a unusual uh, for the genre uh, focus on storytelling and a very unique atmosphere and setting. Um, Tattooing seems to be a kind of core mechanic in the game. I noticed that you have a tattoo on your yeah, forearm. Exactly. Uh, are you kind of one of the, the folks that has been pushing for that? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and we, uh, a lot of lore uh, uh, revolves around the ink, the substance that uh, the demons are made of. And it kind of was uh, natural for us to use the ink. And how do you use the ink? You can, for example, tattoo. And uh, it all made sense that we can use the tattoo that we gather from the enemies to strengthen our connection, uh, our connection to our demon companion. Uh, about that demon companion, uh, you know, in the demo we were seeing that companion when you double jump, uh, kind of come out from Benedict Fox. Um, can you tell us more about about that demon and how it fits into gameplay beyond the double jump? Yes. Uh, so, so um, Benedict and the demon companion uh, were connected at birth uh, through a mysterious ritual, and one of our goals is actually to find a way uh, to detach because it gives them the superpower uh, to uh, explore human psyche, but it also slowly kills them. So they have only one night to resolve the mystery and also find uh, like, uh, the ritual and uh, the information that could help them. Uh, the one thing that I wanted to add is that uh, Companion is a uh, uh, core gameplay uh, mechanic because his abilities allow you to both explore and uh, be better in, in combat because most of the abilities that uh, he gives you allow you to explore better and fight better. Uh, is there a father-son element to the story as well? Yes, yes, there is. Uh, we initially uh, come to the house to find the father because he's the last known person to, uh, to have done the ritual. So that's the main clue at the start. But as you, can, uh, as you maybe know from our reveal trailer, Benedict finds his father dead. And that's one of the clues, that's one of the mysteries that we need to solve. So uh, just one last question for you. Uh, game obviously coming, uh, Game Pass Day 1. Um, 
Can you tell us, kind of, give us an idea of when the, the game will be coming? Yeah, so we are aiming at the spring of uh, 2023. Perfect. Uh, thank you so much for the time, and I hope you enjoy the rest of your packs. Thank you, and uh, have a good time. What's up, everybody? It's me, Luke Lewis, from the Lukewarm Games podcast, coming to you live here on the Left Behind Game Club to talk about one of my favorite indie games that I saw this weekend at PAX West 2022 in Seattle. Um, it's one I haven't heard a ton of folks talking about, but I think deserves your attention. This game is called Recall. It was developed by Machian69, published by Whitehorn Games, and this was one of the most unique experiences I've ever had in gaming, and I've also ever had at the show PAX West this year. Really, really cool. Um, so to give the quick elevator pitch for what this game is, it is a top-down pixel art game, um, sort of in the style of an adventure game or a visual novel where you are making choices that influence the narrative of the game. The setup is your character is found in a government lab, and you're being interrogated and questioned about how you ended up in this lab. This line of questioning prompts different dialogue options where you, the character, get to choose how you ended up in the lab. Did you sneak into the lab? Did you find the hidden gun that was in the lab? What guard was watching the door when you first walked into the lab? And you get to influence and kind of build these memory sequences as you play through them, as you recall the memory to the name of the game. Um, and I just thought it was really, really compelling. And the way it works is as you're making these choices, you sometimes, depending on the sequence of events, get a game over screen. If you make a fatal decision, you um, your game ends and you have to restart the sequence. This all happens very quickly, though, and then you can use that learned knowledge to progress further into the game, find new alternate paths forward in the narrative and um, it was one that I had no knowledge of prior to PAX and I was walking around the show floor and I saw it there was no line I sat down picked up the controller and for what I thought I would play for just a few minutes I ended up sitting for 25 minutes on the show floor playing recall because I wanted to see the alternate endings I wanted to see what would happen I don't want to give specific spoilers to the game just because I think it's one that you should experience yourself and find out these little mysteries. But if you are at all into puzzle games, adventure games, narrative-based experiences, and you enjoy really cool pixel art styles, I would highly recommend Recall. The demo I played at PAX is currently available on Steam. You can download the full thing, play it for yourself. You can also wishlist the game, and it's targeted to come out in 2022. doesn't have a firm release date yet, so we'll see when it ends up coming out. But for the moment, you can check out the demo wishlist it, see if it's something you yourself would enjoy. Um, yeah, I just can't say enough good things about this one. I think I'm going to be a champion of Recall until its release date, and then I definitely want to do some coverage around the game because I just think the narrative hook of recalling these memories and choosing your own narrative path through the levels is very, very compelling. So highly recommend you play Recall on Steam. Now back to Jacob and the show. Thanks, Luke. Again, Luke is from the Luke Warm Games podcast. Uh, you should definitely check it out if you love podcasts about what's going on in the world of games and media uh, in the moment. We have another interview now, this time with Santiago Ferrero. Uh, he is from Coffee Stain, the developers of Goat Simulator 3. 
Perfect. So uh, I just played a, a demo of uh, Goat Simulator 3. I've not played a Goat Simulator game before, but I obviously know about the cult following the game has. Uh, what would you say for people who know what Goat Simulator is going into Goat Simulator 3, but they've never played before? Um, the biggest thing is that it's, it's still what you expect from a Goat Simulator game. It's that stupidness and just total chaos and sandbox vibe. But the big new thing is uh, online multiplayer. So you can play up to four players. And in the multiplayer session, there's also this new feature called mini games. So there's def seven different mini games, such as Floor is Lava, King of the Hill, Car Derby, Prop Hunt. And these can be played anywhere in the world. So you decide where you want to start it and create more chaos against each other in different fun ways. Yeah. For the uninitiated, how do you say what the Goat Simulator series is? What is Goat Simulator 3? Uh, it's a big sandbox uh, with just a bunch of toys and exploration and kind of making up your own fun. Even though we've added some custom quests and stuff, most of it is just like exploring and combining different physics-based uh, gear and abilities and just, yeah, explore and have fun. Could you give me an idea of some of the different like missions that you, go that you can do? Because I know for me, um, what I did was, you know, I fought a grandma uh, in a Doom-inspired level. Uh, there was an area where I could have packed some boxes in a garage, either by myself or with friends. Can you give more examples of some of the crazy, silly stuff that you can do in this game? I even grinded on a, a power line as yeah. a goat, like Tony Hawk. Tell me more. Well, there's, yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of everything. Uh, basically, all the different events are really unique, and there's a lot of them that are plain stupid, and also some of them that are a little more complex and have some more gamey vibe. Um, so there's like one, there's like bird watching, so you just look out for birds, and that's basically it. Another one where we build a sandcastle on the on the beach. Um, yeah, so there's tons of different ways of of exploring and some of them are a lot more secret some of them are in your face explicit this is what you're supposed to do you can also become uh, the president of uh, <laughs> of the island <laughs> so yeah there's there's tons of weird mission going on okay last question is there a mission or uh you know something you can do in the game that um that you're just super excited for players to see oh wow yeah there there are some i don't know if i want to like uh spoil but there's a lot of different secrets that you unlock new characters um, or types of goats that are pretty pretty crazy and totally changes the way you, you play the game. Uh, and there's also this overarching progression with the goat towers and goat castle. And there, there is an end game. There's like a, the end to the, the whole game basically. So that's um, I'm super excited to, to, to see people playing that. Uh, so tell me, uh, when's it coming out and uh, on what platforms? So the game's coming out on November 17th to PC, Epic Exclusive, to PlayStation 5, and Xbox Series S and X. Uh, what are you going to do when the game is done? What are you looking forward to, to getting, getting done when uh, the game is finally out there? Oh. Either personally or professionally. <laughs> uh, I'm just excited to start brainstorming some new, new fun ideas for, for Goat Sim 3. Cool. Uh, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. This is the final interview of the episode. Uh, we spoke to Jez Harris, the publishing director for Chorus Worldwide. Uh, they're talking about Paper Ghost Stories, Third Eye Open. Third Eye is the first kind of full-length game from Cellavolt Games, who's a tiny team in Malaysia. Um, they released a, a short story of a game called 7pm a couple of years ago on Steam. Um, 
that's part of the Paper Ghost Stories franchise that we've since signed. Um, so Third Eye Open is coming next year to all platforms, PC console, um, some of which will include 7pm, some of which won't, but I'll explain more about that later. Um, what else to tell you? It is a story about a five-year-old Malaysian girl called Ting um, who realises that she, her imaginary friend is actually a real-life ghost. Um, so she's, she kind of grows up over the course of the game about kind of six or seven years of her life kind of dealing with the reality of living with a, a spirit friend. Um, she comes from a kind of a broken home, um, so she's dealing with a, a difficult home life, a difficult school life, um, and trying to figure out whether or not uh, her ghostly spirit partner is always acting in her best interests or not. Really, I just had two questions for you. First, art style, very unique. Combination of papercraft with like 3D world. Yeah. What inspired it, do you know? So, as far as I'm aware, it is nothing more complicated than being inspired by the, the um, what they call the shadow plays in Southeast Asia, which are um, essentially uh, puppet theater with paper cutouts. That, that's it. So it was, um, we went through lots of thinking about what to call the, the series we landed on paper ghost stories it was there were, there were lots of ideas around shadow theater shadow plays and all that kind of thing because that's what what the inspiration was and during the demo uh you get to explore kind of like a mountainous range and the demo is left with you know something a little scary is kind of hinted at yeah. um what should we expect when we play the game so the game it, it, the game never kind of crosses into um dark horror or or, or real um heavy scares but at the heart of the story that Ting is trying to unravel and, and kind of get to the bottom of why she is how she is, is quite an uncomfortably haunted house in her village that she has to visit multiple times over the course of her childhood to really try and understand what's going on with the spirits that she deals with. Um, when's it out? What platforms? Um, it's coming to all platforms, uh, PC and consoles. Um, target is probably next summer. Um, there is a physical edition on most console platforms coming from Serenity Forge. Um, and the other thing to say, I guess, is that this, is the, this was the first time anyone's played it. So this is the first demo. Um, the team are working extremely hard to, to get here. We haven't put it on Steam yet. We want to get some feedback from this show. It will be coming to, to Steam on a, in demo form at some point soon as well. Um, but yeah, if there are any rough edges, tell us and we'll get them fixed. Awesome. Thanks so much for your time. Pleasure, Jake. And that is our PAX West Mega Show. Uh, you can find all things Left Behind Game Club at Left Behind Club on Twitter, at Left Behind Game Club on Instagram, and you can find me on all major social media platforms at Jacob McCourt, J-A-C-O-B-M-C-C-O-U-R-T. This is obviously kind of unique for us as far as format goes, so if you like what you've heard, let us know on social or jump into our Discord and let us know what you think. You can find a link to that at leftbehindgame.club slash Discord. And that, my friends, is a bunch less games left behind.